0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 62 of the Batman Universe Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us This is Nick. And I'm Zach. And we are introducing two brand new co-hosts for this podcast, and they are This is Josh. And this is John. And uh let's uh let's take a little bit of uh little bit of time to uh let these two new co-hosts tell a little bit about themselves for everyone who's listening, uh, to get them to get them better acquainted with them. Uh Josh, go ahead. You go first.
1: Uh hey, I'm Josh and I've been a Batman fan since I got introduced through the movies. Um unfortunately Batman Forever. That's probably my where I got my obsession with the Riddler and I'm riddling this on the forums, by the way. And I kinda got, I got into comics like a handful of years ago like probably like like four or five years ago and yeah it's been yeah, and i've been hooked ever since all right john your turn um hi i'm john
2: um yeah i I got into batman uh watching the 60s tv show as a a kid um and watched up till batman and robin and then lost interest and i've pretty much come back to it because of Uh, Chris Dernan's films he got me back into it so I've been slowly building up my collection True again. okay and now you know alright so we have
0: a ton of stuff to go over we had some pretty big announcements this month as well as um, a number of different things occur within the world of the Batman universe so we have movie news we have TV news, merchandise news video game news, general news And of course, uh, for our spotlight character, we'll be covering Black Canary, and the reason why is because she is currently appearing as the trainer for Young Justice, in the show Young Justice, and for our feature, we're going to be discussing Young Justice so far. Uh, We saw the pilot back in November, and on top of that, uh, we have a total of... Two more episodes on top of that that have aired as we uh, as as of now when we're recording this. So we're going to talk about what we like and what we don't like about the show so far, and uh, whether or not it's going to be worth sticking around for. Um, but trust me, even though that's our feature, the big movie news we'll be talking about at length as well. So let's get right into movie news. very first thing we've got is on January 5th, Shock Till You Drop had, an, had a chance to interview Charles Rovin. Uh, Rovin, um, who we know was the producer for both Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, along with obviously the upcoming Dark Knight Rises and Superman Man of Steel, had a couple of interesting points to make about Batman while promoting his current film. So I will read for Shock Till You Drop, and Nick will read for Charles Rovin. Can you talk a little more about what's next for you? You mentioned Superman, and of course, there's The Dark Knight Rises. It seems like a big time for DC Comics on the big screen.
3: And they've got Green Lantern coming out too, but we're really excited to be doing another film with Chris Nolan and Emma Thomas. We've had great experiences working together. I just really enjoy making those films and being there to help Chris try and realize this amazing vision that he's had for his Batman series. I'm also really thrilled that I was invited into the Superman process as well. It's going to be interesting. Those are two really big films, and they both have an exciting and eager fan base that's waiting. I've been a huge fan of Zack Snyder's since uh, really Dawn of the Dead and had a great meeting with him that resulted in us working together. Chris and Emma are also producing that film with me, as is Deborah Snyder, so we're having a really great time working on both these films right now. Is the thought that they might have a shared universe one day... No, that may be in somebody's mind, but right now, the Batman lives in his world, and Superman lives in his world. Those stories are those stories, and we haven't thought beyond each individual picture. Christian Bale
0: mentioned recently that he felt that the Batman films would wrap up after the third one.
3: Well, I think that Chris Nolan has said that he wanted to make a trilogy, and this is a trilogy. As far as we all know, this is it. This is the trilogy. The Dark Knight Rises is the third part of what Chris created with Batman Begins, and we're not looking past that. I've said this about Chris before. I've never known Chris to do anything but focus on the movie he's making. He gets completely immersed in the movie he's doing, and I know that all he's thinking about right now when it comes to Batman The Dark Knight Rises is making it the best movie he can. He's not thinking, will there be another one? And he's already said in his mind, it's a trilogy. So I think he's just focusing on making this the best he possibly can, and that's it.
0: Knowing that he's sort of famous for the single movie focus, how hard
3: is it getting time balance for Godfathering Superman as well? It's a huge workload, but there's a way we've been talking about how to make it work. Hopefully there will be a little bit of time in between the start of production on both of them. Right now, Dark Knight Rises is coming out in the summer of 2012, and Superman is coming out in the winter of 2012. So hopefully, and we're just at the beginning phases of both of them... We haven't even entered official pre-production on either one of them yet. There will be a little bit of room. They're both going to be long shoots, and I'm sure there's going to be some overlap, but hopefully there'll be as little overlap as possible. All right, so
0: that's the end of that interview. It's kind of interesting. Um, This kind of touches on an idea that I've started to think about uh, in the back of my mind, which is it seems that... A lot of this talk about, you know, this is the last one Nolan's going to do. This is the last one. The thing is, we didn't know for sure that Nolan was going to do The Dark Knight Rises until it was actually announced that he was going to do The Dark Knight Rises. So, I'm starting to think that if Chris Nolan has a story to tell, he's going to tell it. Whether or not it's the third one, whether or not it's the fourth one, whether or not it's the fifteenth one do I see Chris Nolan doing Batman movies forever? No, but he has been quoted numerous times saying that, you know, he, he likes coming back to the world of Batman because there's rules. He can do what he wants outside of the Batman world, but it's nice to do movies where they have rules that he has to adhere to, essentially. And, uh, you know, not to mention, we have all of the cast who Christian Bale has gone on record to say, you know, if Chris says there's going to be another one, he'll do another one. So, I mean, it's, it's basically in Chris's hands and I don't think at any point anybody during the press stuff that we've got coming up over the next two years should be asking, so are you going to be doing another one? I think we should just let the one that's that he's, that he's promoting happen and then uh, move on from there.
3: Well, yeah, I mean it's – quite obvious, Nolan's a one-film-at-a-time guy, and I think that's a safe safe way to play it, because when uh, studios get involved, or even directors and writers, and they start planning well ahead, as uh, I've been hearing rumours that Green Lantern 2 is already planned, I think that's dangerous. You need to make sure the one product you're making is going to be good, and I think that's what Chris Nolan does. As he was doing Inception, you know, very little Dark Knight Rises stuff going on, because he was focusing on that at the time um in regards to the Superman and Batman sharing the universe it's i it's never going to happen with Chris Nolan in charge, so have to deal with that and to be honest, I don't think it would work with chris nolan's uh, style so that didn't bother me too much um and as dustin said i think you know I, th- I don't think you can rule out that Chris Nolan might come back for a fourth I think it's possible but um you're certainly not going to find anything out about that until the third one is done and dusted
4: so a trilogy is three films right yes
3: yes charles Roven was just making sure you were aware what a trilogy is there
4: okay good because i was a little confused at first and then um but yeah i kind of agree with both with both dustin and what nick said um I don't think that any of us should be worried about a fourth film at this point. I mean, I think it's a little ridiculous to even be talking about it at this point. Um, but we know people will be asking that question when uh eventually when this movie's gearing up to come out. Uh the thing that I'm a little curious about is the both Superman him being involved in both Superman and Batman. Uh They're both slated to hit in 2012, not too far apart from each other, and there clearly is going to be an overlap in shooting. So I kind of... I feel like maybe his Superman role is going to even become more limited. I hope it is anyway that he would... And I'm sure he would focus more towards Batman at that point. Um, But, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with Superman and Batman not sharing uh, universes. I I, I just think it's... Unless you get somebody that really knows how to balance all that out, it's it's dangerous territory as it is. So, yeah, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, as far as the shared universes, I think at most they should do like references, but like, I mean, that's that's the and for me, that's the most that I think that they should do as far as sharing them. But Nolan not saying he saying he's not gonna he might not do it for. I mean, just not saying anything about it. I think that's smart because he's not going to want to sign on to anything right away and everybody's going to be expecting it so I mean I think like like everybody's already said that he's just going to take it one movie at a time and if he wants to he'll do it I think the confirmation about a trilogy was to any Douglas Adam fans that would be confused at how many movies would actually be in a trilogy
2: I uh, I, I, don't think he's, he's going to do a fourth one at all um, I don't think there will be a fourth one I think they'll reboot it and as for Chris Nolan on Superman, I'm, perhaps I'm being slightly cynical, but I think it is literally just a promotional tool. I don't think he's going to actually do any producing whilst he's doing directing on Batman, because directing is going to eat up so much of his time. I think what they'll, what you'll see is them going, fr- um, produced by Chris Nolan, who did Batman, um, and I, I think that's how they'll they'll just use Christopher Nolan's name to get people to go see Superman because while Superman's popular, see it, seeing the state of the last couple of films, I don't think i will have the pull that Chris has got through Batman, and that's how they'll they'll use him really.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing is that ultimately. The idea of having Chris Nolan as a producer on the Superman film is to... Yes, I think, John, you're right as far as it will draw some moviegoers into seeing Superman because they know that it was produced by Chris Nolan. I think that, I think that it is going to be used as a promotional tool. But I think really what it is is Chris Nolan... Is has done one of the few things has, has, is one of the few people who's done something correctly with the superheroes he's made a superhero movie that is not only successful but is also well received and I think that's the main reason of why they wanted Chris Nolan to Godfather. Now if we remember back in December there was a release party for Inception and Emma Thomas went to say that Chris wasn't going to have any time to work on the Superman film because he was going to be working on Uh, Batman so obviously he's going to have a very minor role as far as producer but also I don't think that the producer is going to be around while they're filming 24-7 that's just me
3: No, I think Nolan's involved in much more of a creative capacity I think him and I think it's David Goyer came up with a concept that they think would be an interesting take on Superman and I think they've basically passed that off um, to Snyder and they'll probably just help him out when he needs it But, um, and one other thing I'd like to mention about the fourth film that Nolan may possibly be involved with is that as much as I think Nolan's a very capable filmmaker and he's done a very good job so far, there's always the possibility that this Dark Knight Rises might not be a great film. And it doesn't take, it only takes one film for all the fans to turn on you and want you out and get a new take on it. Look at the Spider-Man franchise, for instance. So that's why I think it's very wise to just take it one at a time. No point planning too far ahead because one bad picture and it can all change.
0: Iron Man's a perfect example of that too. John Farivu, you know, the second one wasn't as well received as the first one. And he decided to walk and do, do a family film for Disney instead, instead of doing Iron Man three.
3: Mm, yeah. So as, as I said, take one bad, well, one it doesn't even have to be bad. Just one film that wasn't quite as good as the last one. And, and things can all change. And, Again, I'd like to make sure everyone's aware. I think Nolan's very capable, but um, those third films are very tricky. All right,
0: so moving on to our next bit of news. This is the big news. On January 19th, Warner Brothers released a press release stating not only who the villains will be for The Dark Knight, but also who will play them. And I'm going to read the press release. From Burbank, California, January 19th, 2011, Warner Brothers Pictures... Announced today that Anne Hathaway has been cast as Selina Kyle in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises. She will be starring alongside Christian Bale, who returns in the title role of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Christopher Nolan stated, I am thrilled to have the opportunity to work with Anne Hathaway, who will be a fantastic addition to our ensemble as we complete our story. In addition, Tom Hardy has been set to play Bane. Nolan said, I am delighted to be working with Tom again and excited to watch him bring to life our new interpretation of one of Batman's most formidable enemies. Nolan will direct the film from a screenplay he wrote with Jonathan, Jonathan Nolan from a story by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. Nolan will also produce the film along with his longtime producing partner, Emma Thomas, and Charles Roven. Dark Knight Rises is slated for release on July 20, 2012. The film will be distributed worldwide by Warner Brothers Pictures, a Warner Brothers entertainment company. Okay, so, Bane and Catwoman, and furthermore, Catwoman and Anne Hathaway. First thoughts, um, I gotta say, uh, when all these rumors were floating around about who Tom Hardy was playing, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody legitimately guessed Bane, um, and that's, that's an interesting thought. Mostly because I think Bane is one of those characters that a lot of people don't take give a lot of credit, specifically because of the horrible interpretation Joel Schumacher gave him in Batman: Robin. Um, what's What's more interesting about this announcement is the fact that uh, Anne Hathaway has been cast as Selena Kyle. Now, obviously, the message boards and the internet blew up the day after um, talking about Anne Hathaway, Selena Kyle. When that rumor happened back in December, I. Specifically said, I, I would definitely not mind Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who is actually glad that she's going to be bringing uh, her acting skills to The Dark Knight Rises. Now, I know some of my other co-hosts don't feel as uh, strongly about this. But uh, I think overall, this was a good announcement. The one thing that's uh, pretty interesting to point out is that the press release specifically says Selena Kyle, not Catwoman. Now, there's a lot of speculation about this, about, well, maybe Selena Kyle is just going to be the love interest. Catwoman might not actually appear. Yes, that's a possibility. I I think this is just another one of those wonderful Christopher Nolan um, isms where he's already starting to screw with people. That's just me.
3: Uh, Yeah, Um, regarding Selena Kyle, I think I'm correct in saying that when we had the similar situation with The Dark Knight, I think Aaron Eckhart was confirmed as playing Harvey Dent, not Two-Face. And, of course, we saw Two-Face. So I'd be absolutely amazed if Catwoman didn't make some appearance in the film. Um, In general, my first reaction to this was one of great surprise. Um, I think in the last podcast I said that I wasn't. I wouldn't have picked Anne Hathaway for Catwoman, and I still stand by that, in the fact that I can't picture her as Catwoman. Um, but I also, I couldn't picture Heath Ledger as the Joker. But, of course, Nolan fixed that. I think Nolan knows what he's doing, and I, Hathaway is a capable actress. Um, I just, I'm, I'm not going to be able to picture it until I see an image of her as Catwoman. I'm sure it'll all work out. Um, so, I'm glad Catwoman's involved, but, sound, you know, rumours have been about her, for, for ages, so it would've, I would have been surprised if she wasn't. Uh, now, the other character, Bane, certainly the biggest surprise. Um, I th- In this uh, statement, they've mentioned that they're taking and they've got a new interpretation and the problem with Bane is he's just a bit fantastical. I think that was why he was usually out of most people's thoughts when considering who was going to be the villain. He was just a bit too comical and um, that could be a problem, but obviously no one's going to make him realistic. I think the idea of a, a guy on Venom uh, taking these sort of steroid-like drugs could work. Um, and Tom Hardy's a, and also a very capable actor, so I don't know. Um, unlike The Dark Knight, where everyone was bashing Heath Ledger being cast for the Joker, I think this time around everyone's a lot more lenient. And I think that's the best way to, do, to go. We we know Nolan can do a good job. It was just a very strange choice, and Nolan once again, as usual, has surprised us all.
4: Yeah, um, I think if Catwoman were not to appear appear in the film, it would be a uh, greatly missed opportunity. Um, in regards to Anne Hathaway, I also said in last last podcast, I she would not be my choice, and I still stand by that. Uh, at the same time, I'm not sure. I didn't have another actress in mind, and uh, the thing that's surprising me about Since This News Has Come Out is how much backlash there has been towards Anne Hathaway being cast and all of this praise that's been put forth as Tom Hardy as Bane. Uh, I don't quite get it because Anne Hathaway is uh, an Oscar-nominated actress, and Tom Hardy's really only had two big roles to his credit to this point granted they were both really good but still um Bane is the real the tricky one here with me I I don't the problem I'm having with Bane is I'm having a hard time seeing what kind of story is going to fit into this film and keep Catwoman or Selena Kyle as the main focus because I feel like that character is going to be you know the the main villain in the in the movie uh it's, it's just... The thing, too, is Bane is such a different course that seems to... would be taken as a villain versus the first two films when you have, you know, Raz Al Ghul and the Scarecrow and the Joker and Two-Face. He's so drastically different from the previous villain, villains that have been used that I'm just... I'm very curious to see what kind of role he's going to be playing. Uh, I think Tom Hardy is a good choice as Bane. Uh, the thing that I wonder is... Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy is not a big guy, and everybody's like, oh, well, he got big for Bronson. Yeah, he got big, but I still don't think he got Bane big, and I feel like... I feel like CG would have to be used in some way. But, and but
0: that, that's but that's assuming that this interpretation of Bane is going to be the giant hulking guy that we, we're, we're so accustomed to.
4: Well, what other interpretation of Bane would there be? Is it? It's the character, okay. Is, but is it really Bane anymore, or is it something? Is it? Is it not even really the character?
0: Well, I mean, it could just be. It could be somebody like, uh, you know, compare like uh, one of those WWE wrestlers who is completely buffed up, giant, you know, six foot six or whatever, and you know he's 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 got as many muscles as you could possibly have. Compare one of those guys and just say that it's a that that's Bane. And the person, you know, instead of using the venom aspect, use steroids instead and do something linking it so that it actually is Bane as far as, you know, he came from Santa Prisca, you know, something like that where it, it could be done. I, I I don't think it can't be done, but I think, but the problem is you you, also, you just got to keep in mind, you know, Ra's al Ghul was completely changed. Obviously, Ra's al Ghul is not the Ra's al Ghul we know uh, you know the one that was in Batman Begins is not the one from the comics because there was no Lazarus Pits, there was no Taliel al Ghul, there wasn't anything having really to do a whole lot with the mystical elements that Ra's al Ghul has to do with, other than him pulling the fast one and saying, you know, having having the, I guess stand-ins for Ra's al Ghul. So they they they, they just didn't but they
4: thing. just didn't address that stuff with Ra's al Ghul. They didn't so, address the Lazarus Pit. The the thing is is like. You were comparing him to a wrestler. Tom Hardy's still not six six. Tom Hardy's kind yeah, of I a mean, little guy. That's the thing. Tom it's not a Tom big guy. Hardy
3: in uh, Tom Hardy in Bronson was about as big I think as Christian Bale was. You know, as Batman. I think I think they'd be a similar size if they both bulked up.
4: The the thing to me is is if if you're gonna bring in the character of Bane, I feel like that character is gonna be used to really. In, in more of a physical way, in that they want to, you know, have big fight scenes in this movie with Bane. Uh, if you're not going to do that with Bane, I don't understand why I use that character. And that, that's my thing, is I, I mean, and the other thing is if they're going to have big fight scenes. Christopher Nolan, this is the thing that's also wondering is, when he edits the, the fight scenes in these movies, uh, they're very quick. You actually, you don't get to see a whole lot of in the fights. I mean, when you think about the first time you see Batman and Batman Begins, uh, it's really just completely t- disoriented. It's kind of like, what? Okay, he's taking these guys out, but you don't really see... We really haven't seen Batman, you know, really just get in, like, this all-out brawl for ten minutes or anything. And so that to, that's another thing that I kind of wonder. I mean... I do agree that there is some way that Bane could be used without CG. And, you know, I think the thing that I'm noticing, you know, there was that rumor concept concept art that came out, is that I'm kind of wondering if that you know, maybe Bane is some way, you know, on a Batman task force, and maybe that's where this whole Prey storyline rumor loops in or something. Uh, I'm just, I'm very curious about how he would be used. That's all.
1: Yeah, that... That got me thinking as well. um, I'm open to interpretations in movies, separate from the comics. Like, I don't need exact adaptations. And I really don't know what they're going to do exactly with Bane. So it actually has me a little excited because I'm going to maybe go into, unless we get even more info down the road, I may go into the movie having no idea what I'm going to see. So that's always a little exciting, going into a movie. As as for Anne Hathaway, I'm completely on board for that. I don't think I had anybody else in mind to play Catwoman, and I think she's as good as any. I don't. I haven't seen very many movies of her, but I've the the couple movies I have seen, I thought she did a good job. Even if I wasn't a really big fan of the movie, I thought she did well in her role. I think with Bane, uh, you're not going to see
2: Joel Schumacher's bumbling, wrong worded. Muscle Man, um, but I don't think you're going to see anything like from Batman, where um, Bane turns, takes a venom and turns bright red. It's going to be a very realistic, very true interpretation, and I think the way the last film was left, um, Batman uh, is is left as. the the dark vigilante, the the guy who does really what the police can't do. And I think Bane's going to be used as a character to show what would happen to Batman if he oversteps that mark. Bane, I think, will be a a vigilante, but someone who just kills and um, has no limits on what he does, and it'll be Batman looking into a dark mirror, in a way I think Catwoman is going to be in her traditional role I think she'll be the conflict, in that Batman wants to be with her, but he can't be, because obviously she's a bad guy and he just can't accept that. And I think Anne Hathaway's going to do that brilliantly. I don't think there's any danger of uh, weird Alice in Wonderland white queen that she did, which was unbelievably bizarre. All right. So,
0: needless to say, that was a pretty big announcement. Um, but we do obviously have some other things to cover as well. So on January 26th, Warner Brothers announced that uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker will be coming to Blu-ray on April 5th. The price will be 19.98. dollars uh, All of the special features were on the original DVD release, and the film is rated PG-13, which means it will probably be the original uncut version. Um, the only thing of question is, although the runtime is listed as 76 minutes, which is the runtime of the first edited release, the film is related PG-13, unlike the original release, which was very PG. Um, This film will also still be in full screen, but be in 1080p format. So you can check out the box art on the website.
3: And yes, Batman Universe fans, our commentary for this film is on its way. Be patient. Yes.
0: All right, the next thing we've got is on January 31st, Chris Nolan ...attended the Santa Barbara Festival this past weekend... ...and Superhero Hype was there... ...and the press did not ask very many questions about The Dark Knight Rises... ...because obviously he was there promoting Inception... Um, ...so props to them for that... ...obviously MTV wasn't invited to that engagement... Um, the ...there was a couple of things that were thrown in there and the first was that Chris Nolan confirmed that filming will begin in May, and Nolan also stated that when even though there was a possibility of not returning to do a third one, he wanted to finish telling Bruce Wayne's story. When asked about Anne Hathaway playing Catwoman, in addition to the previous announcement that she was cast as Selena Kyle, Nolan would not say a word, just coyly smiled.
3: Interesting update there. Um, Nolan, as talkative as usual, but nice to see that uh, there's a start date for filming, and I'm sure we'll be getting plenty of news from May onwards, uh, hopefully a few set photos and first looks at some of these characters.
0: All right, and the last bit of news we have is also from January 31st. Bleeding Cool had a chance to talk with cinematographer Wally Pfister about his upcoming work on The Dark Knight Rises. There were a couple of interesting things in the interview that Wally referred to Pfister did take place in the screen test for In Hathaway and stated that she looks phenomenal. He is also he is also already prepping for the film has and has read a copy of the screenplay. The film will be filmed in as much IMAX as they can. He also stated that the opening scene for the film will be amazing and may even surpass the opening of the Dark Knight. Alright, so the fact that he you know the opening could surpass the Dark Knight, that to me is that, ha- that already piques my interest because I can still just watch the opening of The Dark Knight and just be completely blown away by it, the whole bank robbery scene. It's, a, it's an amazing scene, and there's not very many movies that start off with an action-packed beginning and introduce a character so quickly as The Dark Knight does. So to top that, that's going to be great.
3: Yeah, it's, like, it's nice to see that Mr. Fister uh, likes talking to the media. Um, interesting that the obviously the screenplay is um, completed and uh, Fister's, well, some of the key members of the crew have got it already. Um, now, the IMAX thing, I've mentioned this before, the Dark Knight in IMAX was superb. Those scenes were just breathtaking and I'm glad to see that they are planning to improve on that and add more time to it, because those scenes were really, really special, and I think it made such a big difference to the experience. And regarding the opening scene, uh, again, like Dustin, it's a fantastic scene, tough to surpass, but apparently it's on the page, let's hope that they can get it on the screen.
4: Yeah, that opening scene of The Dark Knight is pretty spectacular. Uh, for me, I could almost watch the uh, opening scene and see. I have watched the opening scene several more times than I've just watched the entire movie just cuz I think it in a way is is enough. Uh so I, th-
3: I think I'm going to watch that opening scene now.
4: <laughs> yeah. So uh so to say that that could surpass that opening scene is I is I'm pretty optimistic about that then. Uh and it is good to hear that the screen, you know, some people have the screenplay because there were all these rumors for the last few weeks that uh, they were scrambling to finish it or whatever. So that's good news.
1: Well, I think it's obvious that the opening scene of a movie is one of the most important parts because you can really hook an audience. I know plenty of people that had moderate interest in Batman and were like, I might go see The Dark Knight. But when they saw I Am Legend, they saw the opening scene, they immediately were like, I got to see this movie. So it shows how good of a scene that really was. I just think it's great great news that he's not doing
2: it in three d um it would be terrible uh, i there's a film critic in britain called mark commode and if you can find his rants on three d share his opinions completely but uh, batman would look terrible in three d but it's going to look amazing in
3: imax definitely See, so three i, I think three d can work but um I've yet to be really impressed by it but I don't think Batman is the medium for it um possibly Superman possibly Spider-Man certainly not Batman it's definitely not Chris Nolan's Batman he d- he didn't do Inception in 3D uh, and that
2: had quite a lot of shots that you could have done it in and I I just think he I just think he hates 3D um yeah like you say Nick Batman would would look terrible in 3D uh, all I can think of is batarangs flying towards the screen. And then I kind of run out of ideas.
0: So. All right. So that is all of the movie news. Let's go right into TV news. There's only a real quick couple of things. On January 6th, the source, uh, DC Comics' blog, posted a screenshot from the upcoming Batman Brave and the Bold episode, Batmite Presents Batman's Strangest Cases. Um, they also gave us a couple of different clues as what we will expect from the episode. The episode was written by Paul Dini. The episode will feature a Mad Magazine style tale featuring Batboy and Ruben. And the episode will feature a tale of the Batman from Japan. In addition to this, we also already know that uh, Scooby-Doo will be making an appearance in this episode as well. No word on when exactly the episode will air, though. Um, That's probably due to the fact that Young Justice is on, and they're putting a lot of focus on that. Uh, On January 21st, we had one of the new episodes called Welcome to Happy Harbor Air. And on January 28th, we had an episode called Drop Zone. Now, Welcome to Happy Harbor featured a new version of Mr. Twister, which is actually an older villain from the DC Universe, uh, reimagined. We also had in Drop Zone, we had King Cobra and Bane, which are obviously two Batman Universe villains. And we'll be talking a lot more about uh, Young Justice in the future. But uh, those episodes are airing pretty much one every week. Um, We know there's a number of new episodes coming out in February as well, including the episode introducing the new addition to the Young Justice called Arrowette. So we'll, uh, like I said, we'll talk about Young Justice during the feature. (music) merchandise news. We only have one real quick thing to go over with merchandise news. On January 6th, Warner Brothers sent over details about a new partnership with the tech company, Memoko. Um, basically, this company, Momoko, is known for doing a number of different small electronics. Um, specifically, what they're going to be doing with Warner Brothers is they're going to be releasing a number of USB flash drives, um, designer style, that are Modeled off of different DC characters, the first set is going to include uh, a classic Batman and a Batman, a modern Batman, Catwoman, Joker, and Robin. Um, we have pictures of all these on the website, so you can ch- take a look at those. Gotta say they're kind of interesting, um, but at the same time, I they didn't mention really anything about the price of these um, things and. I am highly doubtful we're probably going to see these in stores. Uh, We probably will obviously be able to get them online, but as of now, I don't see these making their ways to stores anytime soon.
3: I think they're an interesting little idea. I think uh, they look quite cool. Um, Yeah, the Joker one in particular looks uh, a bit creepy, but yeah, interesting little items. And we've spoken before about how they need to get a bit more creative with some of their merchandise, and I think this is a, a good step.
4: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they're a little funny looking, but uh, uh, they're still pretty cool.
2: I have no money, but if any of you want to buy me one, I will quite happily take it.
4: (laughs) All right. All right,
0: so that's going to bring us right into video game news. Uh, A couple different things. Throughout the month of January, Warner Brothers released a bunch of different screenshots and concept art, for Batman Arkham City and you can check those out on the website um, but also the big news of January for video games was that DC Universe Online actually launched it, surprising but it actually launched um, it came out on Tuesday, January 11th and it was met with a number of different challenges um, mostly because I think Sony was unprepared for the number of people who were actually going to be playing this game but uh, they've they've worked out a lot of the major kinks that people were complaining about, and on top of that, they already have announced that they're going to have an expansion pack coming out um, this month in February. So you can look in, look forward to that. Um, we're going to be having a feature probably the end of the, probably in the next episode about DC Universe Online. We just want to make sure there's enough time for us to play a good chunk of it. And on top of that, uh, for Sony to work on a lot of the kinks we weren't seeing, or just complaining about the issues that we saw. My armor is damaged. I can't hold them back.
4: A single exobyte gave you your powers. That canister holds millions, and Earth's only.
0: Alright, so moving into our last bit of news, which is general news. We only have one thing to go over. Uh, Batman Live had a number of different uh, details released. The UK site The Telegraph released an article with a lot of information that was already released through the other articles that we already read about. But there was a few new things that came out, including two new set designs. Um... The set designs are quite interesting. Obviously, we can't show you those because it's an audio recording. But uh, you can check them out on the website. One of them is a circus setup, and the other one is what appears to be Gotham City with a number of different screens, uh, news screens in the background. And it all looks like the stage itself is shaped like Gotham City, but comes outward kind of like a... A peninsula. I guess that's the only way I could think of to describe it, off of the main stage, which looks pretty interesting. The other uh, bit of things that came out about this was that the Batmobile is going to be in um, the show, and the runtime will be about 85 minutes long. So pretty much a little bit longer than the animated movies that we that DC and Warner Brothers releases. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm getting more and more uh, interested in the show as we go along. Um, It's got good signs, I think. I've actually seen some posters up in in London about uh, advertising tickets for the show, which, of course, comes out in September or uh, August in London. So we've still got a long way to go. Um, One interesting thing is that actually uh, the auditions were held recently for... Batman Live, general auditions, and it wasn't far from where I work, and I actually saw a guy dressed as the Riddler walk past my uh, office the other day, and he looked pretty crazy, and I'd be amazed if he got the part. Um, And also, check out the blog as well, because I posted up a video of uh, some of the auditions and what what happened there. Uh, Yeah, so Batman Live, more and more encouraging. Um, Let's let's hope it all goes well. I'm, I'm liking the look of it so far
4: yeah if you get a chance to check out that audition video, I' strongly suggest it. uh also something that one of the producers in that video talked about how you know they wanted this to be like almost like a movie in a sense, which I was kind of relieved to hear because some of what was being reported it seemed like this was gonna try to almost be like some kind of variety show or something, which I was a little uh skeptical about but I think eighty five minutes that's a pretty decent run time uh I'm curious to see like how in depth this gets with all these characters, but uh, I like what I see with the set designs. I think it very it looks very uh, very different, so uh, it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, I too like the set designs, especially the the circus one. It looks pretty good. Um, I don't really have much to add. It's, it's obviously a long ways away, but then again, it's not really that far. But I'm a lot more optimistic about this than I was about obviously now because of the problems they have with Spider-Man but I, I was looking forward more to this when I heard about it than I was when I heard about the Spider-Man anyways well obviously cause I'm more of a Batman fan.
2: I'm,
1: I'm hoping is it going to be a musical? No. No, no songs.
2: Uh, I, was, I was hoping it would be like the, um, the musical that Terry and Bruce go and see in Batman Begins. Oh, i'm disappointed now <laughs> I'm i actually forgot
3: I actually forgot to mention I also saw a guy go past my office about forty years old, really fat, trying to go for the robin part dressed in a robin costume <laughs> i thought mate you 've got no chance uh, I hope they do cu-
2: i hope at some point they release x factor style uh, a pop idol style audition tapes of just everybody. I think it'd be brilliant. All right, so that is all the
0: news we have, but of course we still have the Dark Knight rumor mill.
2: I'm not who you think I am. I have great respect for your profession.
4: You and I share a secret. We know how easy it is to kill somebody.
2: guy's methodical, exacting, most of all, patient. To them... Liar
4: and you're a killer.
0: you tainted forever. There's a couple of different things that we're just gonna to touch on briefly, mostly because the announcement of Anne Hathaway and Tom Hardy as Catwoman and Bane, respectively, obviously kind of negates a lot of these rumors. So we're gonna specifically go just touch on the ones that have kind of been proven wrong and uh, go over some of the current ones as well. So on uh, January 8th, the first one of January, uh, there was a new rumor that hit the net about a script leak. Um, The script leak said that there was going to have Deadshot, Black Mask, and Talia al Ghul in the film. Obviously, none of those characters are going to be in the film, so that one is quite irrelevant. Um, The other one that's quite interesting to talk about is the locations. Um, The... There was, last month I told you that a little while back, Chris Nolan was supposedly in Asia scouting locations. Now, whether or not he was actually scouting locations is yet to be confirmed, but what we do know is that a Warner Brothers exec has stated that Nolan will film in three locations. Ravi Mehta, Senior VP of Production, stated via Scene Magazine that Los Angeles and the UK were for sure in addition to to one other location. The rumor at the time was that Detroit and New York were the other possibilities. Um, What's interesting is that Chicago wasn't one of these. Well, Real Chicago posted a bit on the Nets that says Detroit is the final location. Here's what the article had to say. Sorry to say that Detroit won out over Chicago as a location for writer-director Christopher Nolan's latest Batman entry, The Dark Knight Rises. Instead of shooting here, as originally announced, the movie will film in Detroit. Starting in May, it will shoot in New Orleans and two locations in the U.K. Now, obviously, we still don't know where for sure the Dark Knight's going to be filmed, but uh, there's just it just seems like a giant series of contrasting reports. Uh, Warner Brothers is saying L.A., U.K., and and one other place. Somebody else is saying it's Detroit, New Orleans, and U.K. Somebody else has seen New York, Chicago, UK. The only one that's consistent on all of these is the UK.
3: Yeah, um, I think the, the UK is, is a certain, mostly for the uh, facilities and some of the locations that we've we've seen in the past. Um, I would be quite disappointed if Chicago doesn't feature, uh, mostly just for the consistency of Gotham. It would be quite, uh, quite strange for Gotham to suddenly transform into another city. Um, but you know, as as we've said, uh, who knows? The, these rumours are all over the place. Um, you don't know who to believe. Um, but, I mean, obviously there's going to be some cities in America that it's filmed in. Uh, and I would be a bit disappointed if it's not Chicago. I think New York might be the second best fit if you wanted to try and replicate that Gotham. But um, I don't know Detroit very well. I don't know if that would fit. Maybe you guys could uh, elaborate on that for me, but yeah so I'd be disappointed if Chicago's not going to
4: make it yeah me as well I, I do find it curious that you know even though that wasn't uh official Warner Brothers statement that they would say you know they wouldn't say Chicago uh but it is funny just reading these you know somehow New Orleans is still lingering around in these rumors which I thought was kind of was dismissed um I also would be very disappointed if it's in Chicago, just because that f- filming all three films in one place would, uh, you know, create a nice continuity between them. But we'll see.
1: Yeah, I, I was hoping they'd film in Chicago again. But just so, just so it stays constant, though, I um, just looking at the Detroit skyline, it it could work, and plus it's is is it on is it on a. On one of the Great Lakes, or is it? Is that like a something smaller? I can't. I'm not really sure, but I was looking at it what, and Chicago, um Detroit. I, I know Chicago's on like De- Lake Michigan, right? Or Detroit? Yeah, it's on Lake Michigan. Yeah, Detroit's, Detroit's lake on, Michigan. Like,
0: on a lake. It's just in the middle of New York or
1: the middle of Michigan. Uh, cause I, I saw like I was looking at a picture and uh, it had like water, but I mean, I don't know. I I, I guess I'll just wait, but I was hoping it would stay with Chicago.
2: Uh, I think inevitably it'll end up in Chicago. I can't imagine them not. They've done the last two films there. Um, I'd be really surprised if they don't film the third. It will look a bit bizarre if it goes from Chicago to, say, New York or somewhere like that. People will spot the difference, especially people who live in the cities.
0: All right, so the next thing we've got on January 10th, we had a rumor talking about Natalie Portman denying her involvement which obviously is true. Um, On January 11th, we also had a bunch of different things flood the net about casting for The Dark Knight Rises as the female lead. Collider.com posted up that they had a source that was saying Naomi Watts and Eva Green had been cast for the two rumored roles in The Dark Knight Rises. Obviously, their source is no longer valid. Um, Later in the day, Heat Vision came out with a report that there are a number of actors that are about to be screen tests for Nolan Warner Brothers. These actresses included Anne Hathaway, Keira Knightley, Jessica Biel, Kate Mara, Charlotte Riley, and Gemma Arterton. So obviously, that was the more reliable source, and Anne Hathaway was one of those. Whether or not it actually happened at that point, irrelevant. Um, But the interesting thing is... Collider updated their post after Heat Vision's information with a small note that said um, that maybe their information was incorrect, but they did independently confirm that Gu was in the movie. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah,
3: that, that hasn't happened yet, so. has <laughs> it? Yeah.
0: Um, besides all the talk about the female cast members, there was a little bit of the news about Tom Hardy. He looks like, basically, that... Because of the script leak rumor that came out on the 8th, that we just got done talking about, um, there was a composite character that had, it was kind of a mix between Hugo Strange and the Riddler, um, and they were suddenly, the entire internet suddenly started jumping on the fact that he was playing that character. Um, because he was walking around in what appeared to be a shaved head, and he has grown a bunch of facial hair, so, you know, the internet put one in two together and decided, well, he's got a bald head and he's got a lot of facial hair, so who could he be? Well, he must be Hugo Strange. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Okay. That's why they're all rumors. The internet's always good at coming up with some comedy sometimes. Um, I don't understand. I have no idea where this idea came from for Hugo Strange and the Riddler combined into one character. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, We've seen from the last two films that Nolan uh, tends to pay respect to the characters that he's he's picked from the comics and they seem to have a basic uh, character uh, depth there that we've seen in the past. So for him to suddenly go, I'm going to take two characters that have no rele- uh, no relevance to each other and just mash them together. And and in the internet to assume that because Tom Hardy shaved his head that he'd be playing some bizarre hybrid character is just just insane. And uh, thank God, we know who Tom Hardy's playing now, so we don't have to worry about these sort of things anymore.
4: Well, I just have to say this script that these websites were referencing um, from uh, wherever it is, I would really like to read it because it sounds very interesting.
3: It's, got, it's only got
0: about 10 villains involved.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, I got to say, it does sound interesting. And now that we know that those villains are not in the film, whoever had the opportunity to read it, it would be great if they could release it and just say, well, this is what it was. It's not it, but this is what it was. Because that, w- I mean, what's what's the point of holding back at this point? There's there's nothing that, we're not suddenly going to find out that Deadshot Black Mask and Talia al Ghul are all in the film, in addition to Catwoman and Bane. It's not gonna happen, so... And they didn't say anything about Catwoman and, and uh, Bane in the script, so clearly it's not the same script, so I, I say just release it.
4: I think maybe there wasn't a script. Maybe they just kind of <laughs> yeah. made it all up on the fly, that's what I'm starting to think. I would
0: not doubt that. Alright, so uh, on January 18th, the next rumor we had was... Um, there was a quick tweet from the L.A. Times Hero Complex writer Jeff Boucher, and he tweeted, At the Golden Globes last night, ended the night in the valet lying behind Chris Nolan and Emma Thomas and, and chatting about th- big things to come. Um, clearly, this could be legitimate because it turns out the next day we had the announcement from Warner Brothers about the casting and the characters that are going to be in The Dark Knight Rises, so that was actually legitimate.
3: Wow. Twitter is reliable. In small forms. All right, so
0: on January 19th, um, we obviously had the announcement of Bane being in The Dark Knight Rises as well as Catwoman, Um, but there was already a bunch of rumors that were hitting the net as of what Bane could look like. Back in October of 2010, a user by the name of Humza posted on the website org a number of images that he claimed were being submitted for Batman 3. A lot of the images were never brought up before because it was unknown if, they're, if they were legitimate. At this point, with Bane being confirmed, there is a little bit more belief to this post. The user's website has a number of images posted including an environment concept images and sketches for Bane and a new Batsuit in addition to the Bane image. He basically said he was releasing these to gain some support so that he would get hired. Now, honestly, I believe that would be complete BS. But if you look at the images, they are they're quite interesting and you know, I don't I don't look at these images and think to myself, this is not possible. I actually think that what they show in the images could be entirely possible within a Christopher Nolan movie.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, what we're seeing is um a couple of uh, images of Bane who looks a lot more uh Military, much more of a military style, possibly some sort of mercenary that's been hired, and that could possibly follow that story about a mercenary being hired by the cops to get Batman. And we've also got a couple of uh, images of what seem to be police uh, chasing after Batman. Of course, if you've seen The Dark Knight, then um, it'd be quite easy to you know come up with these ideas yourself. But um, you know, interesting ideas, and it seems that seems to be the most popular plot that most people are coming up with in their heads, the idea that perhaps Bane is hired to, to catch Batman by the police.
4: Yeah, I think the concept art makes Bane look much more uh, more modern and appeal to a larger audience because I think Bane does sometimes look a little ridiculous in the uh, costume that he does wear, but um, yeah, I, I mean you take this concept art for what it for what it is, but I, I do think it's quite interesting looking.
1: Yeah, it's just concept art. and But um, it, it looks like it would work in Nolan's universe. I actually thought the same thing of like the military style when I saw it and the fact that that helps, like, in my head like I can match that up with the, the task force going after Batman and hiring Bane as an outsider to track down Batman.
2: Uh, yeah, the military this sort of relates back to Bane's background um, to to suggest that he is hired to just go after Batman.
0: All right. The next one we've got is another filming location rumor. Um, Romania Insider uh, posted up an article saying that Nolan visited, visited Bucharest in December to scout locations for his upcoming sequel to The Dark Knight. The article goes on to say that Nolan had discussions with Bucharest's mayor about a number of filming locations, including the historic district and Edgar Quintet Street. Uh, there was also a discussion about filming at the Palace of Parliament. In addition to Bucharest, Nolan also visited the salt mines of Turda, in the northwestern part of Romania. Um, so, who knows what you know whether or not this is true or not. But uh, it is it is quite interesting. Uh, the reason they that this one might have a little bit more of legitimate legitimacy is the mayor of Bucharest actually came on and said that, you know, that Nolan actually talked to him about filming and didn't really want to disrupt normal day to day things with filming because of what he was planning on doing. So, uh, the salt mines is could possibly, a lot of people have been talking about the salt mines possibly being the new back cave, which is entirely possible. If you've seen pictures of the salt mines,
3: well, I think it's entirely possible that the mayor of Bucharest saw the rumours for the Dark Knight Rises to say, hey, I should get some of that. So uh, he just made it all up. But, of course, it might be true as well. Um, I'm personally thinking that this Romanian, uh, these Romanian locations may possibly be a, a, an origin story for Bane. Um, of course, we don't know if Bane's going to be um, something like we've seen in the comics or something completely different, and... I don't see why they'd use those locations unless it's for a particularly new character, and I think it may be the origin of, of Bane using these locations. And um, I recommend you have a look at the image of the caves that they looked at, um, because they would be, um, I think they'd fit very well for the Batcave, and it could be, could be something pretty stylish. And I, I really hope we get to see the Batcave in this third film. I think it would be an opportunity missed if Nolan left the franchise without ever doing a proper... Back cave with computers and everything else.
4: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I could see these locations being used to further, you know, give Bane an origin. Um, if I remember correctly, the Wayne Manor that we see in uh, Batman Begins was shot in the UK, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, I was, you know, if they do use the salt mines, I don't know if where they where the cave. What caves they used in Batman Begins, where those were shot. I didn't know if those were shot in the U.K. too or not. But uh, I was kind of hoping with this film we might get to see Wayne Manor. You know, now that it would be rebuilt and we'd, we we kind of get to see him operate out of the Batcave again. Uh, but these, if they did want to use these locations, these caves would work uh, perfectly fine as well.
1: Yeah, I agree 100% that these caves work, and the Batcave is one of the things I really want to see in The Dark Knight Rises. But other than that, it's pretty much, I agree with both of you.
2: Uh, I'm skeptical about all these location claims. I think there's some sensible ones like the UK, but I don't know. Bucharest? I'll mm. I, I, I I'll go with Nick, where I think the mayor's just come out and said, hey, he has spoken to me. Uh, wink wink, nudge nudge. No really it has. Um I, I I don't buy it at the moment. Uh I will leave it when I see it really.
0: Alright, so the last rumor we have is from January twenty eighth. Now, I don't even know that I would actually consider this a rumor, but for some reason Batman on Film decided to post something on their Twitter account that said RW as Strange. Hmm. Um now, basically what that means is Robin Williams as Hugo Strange. Well obviously Nolan has already announced two of the villains, and there is nothing stating that he must only have two, it just seems like a very odd addition to the already existing cast. Now, literally within the next day, a bunch of people were emailing Batman on film and saying, Oh, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And he went on to say that it was just something that he was talking about with one of his uh, so-called industry people, and they were thinking of it as an idea. Um, This is why you have to take what's posted on the Internet very lightly. A lot of people took that little post that Batman on Film did and completely blew it out of proportion because that site is specifically known for having a lot of the news related to the Batman movies and this was clearly not news related to the movies, but people were taking it as that. So that's just my... Uh, this, I'm just going to take this as my opportunity to, to, to all the Batman fans out there who are starting to really gear up for all the Dark Knight Rises news to really make sure that everything you read online you take with a grain of salt unless it comes from a reliable
3: source. Very sensible advice there, Dustin. Um, RW, uh, probably Robin Williams... I, maybe Rachel-wise? I don't know. But um, I think Robin Williams has made it vocal that he's very keen to get involved. And that's great. It's, it's, I'm, I'm happy that he's, he really wants to get involved. Whether he is or not in the end, who knows. But because of that, everyone seems to say, hey, have you heard Robin Williams uh, is trying to be the new Alfred? No. E- Everyone's just making up stuff for Robin Williams because he wants to get involved. Um So, right now, unfortunately, I'm not sure Robin Williams will get involved in the end. And, uh, yeah, so be careful what you read, guys, and as Dustin said, just uh, be sensible.
4: Yeah, it always seems like when there's a Batman film in the works that we get a slew of Robin Williams rumors and some sort of rumor that Robin Williams is, you know, I want to be in this movie because, you know, I wanted to be the Joker and I got screwed out of that opportunity. So, you know, Robin Williams' rumors at this point are are pretty uh are pretty frequent when when these movies are in production. So I I really kind of almost ignore them or pass over them when I hear them.
3: Get over it, Robin. It was almost twenty years ago.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This is just a rumor that someone just puts out. Um. I don't trust rumors with like no vowels in them either.
2: Yeah, I I do love this whole rumor thing. They come up with some really really bizarre stuff, like Robin Williams being Hugo Strange. I, I I always think these are fun rumors, and there's definitely nothing behind them at all. But hilariously funny, and I I want more hilariously funny rumors. I want Bruce Na- uh, Chris Nolan to be scouting locations in the Arctic and. You know, having the bat cave under sea and stupid things like that. Much more fun. It would be. Alright, so that is all
0: of the rumors we have for January. Let's get right into our spotlight character, which, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, we are going to be covering Black Canary.
1: We're kind of late for a charity drop off, isn't it, boys? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, Black Canary is the codename for two women, mother and daughter, who have been costume crime fighters in different eras. On Earth 2, Dinah Lance was the daughter of a cop and trained to become a fighter and detective. This was in Flash Comics number 86 from August 1947. She donned a wig, fishnets, and a short jacket to fight crime as Black Canary, and was the last hero invited to join the legendary Justice Society of America in the late 1940s. She married Larry Lance... Only to watch him die during a battle with the cosmic being Aquarius. With nothing tethering her to Earth 2, she accompanied the Justice League of America to Earth 1 and eventually began a romance with Green Arrow. And This was in Justice League of America number 72 through 73, August of 1969.
3: On the world after Crisis on Infinite Earths, Dinah and Larry, La- Larry Lance had a daughter, Dinah Laurel and worked hard to keep her from becoming a superhero. In secret, she trained with Ted Grant, a.k.a. Wildcat, and as a teen, she donned her mother's outfit for the first time. She was present to help fend off an alien invasion and became a charter member of the Justice League of America. She and her mother argued frequently, but when the elder Dinah lay dying of cancer, her daughter was at her side.
4: When in college, she was married for less than a year to Craig Windrow, who continued to turn up in her life like a bad penny. Dinah graduated and went to work as a florist, much like her mother, and fought crime as Black Canary. Her romance with Green Arrow waxed and waned through the years, with Dinah disapproving of of his constant cheating.
1: In addition to her stints with the JLA, she became partnered with Oracle as a bird of prey. While one of the world's greatest martial artists she sought to improve her fighting skills by working with several teachers. The last teacher, Mother, was the most brutal. The woman had previously trained Lady Shiva and attempted to remake the canary in her image, but Lance refused to give up her moral convictions to become a killing machine. Lance left
2: Asia and soon after left the Birds of Prey to reestablish a life on her own and raise Sin, a young girl who was also being taught by Mother Birds of Prey. 9 uh, issue 95 March 2006 the JLA reformed after the events of infinite crisis and she became the new team's first chair she took Sin to Star City where she renewed her relationship with Green Arrow leading to a proposal of marriage after much deliberation she accepted and they finally wed which can be seen in Green Arrow Black Canary wedding special 2007
0: Black Canary has had a number of different media appearances. Um, She first appeared in a live-action form in the 1979 Legends of the Superheroes, um, which we talked about a couple months ago. She also appeared in the Birds of Prey live-action TV series in two different forms, as Carolyn Lance, the older version of Black Canary, and as Dinah Redmond, as the younger version of Black Canary. Um, currently, she has also made appearances in Smallville. As far as an animation, she appeared in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. She has also appeared in Justice League The New Frontier, the, f- the animated film, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, and recently the DC Showcase Green Arrow. She also made an appearance. Black Canary has also been featured on multiple episodes of Batman the Brave and the Bold, And currently, she is appearing in Young Justice as the combat trainer for the members of Young Justice. As far as video games, she has appeared in Justice League Heroes, Batman the Brave and the Bold, the video game, and DC Universe Online. So, Black Canary in a nutshell. Which will then lead us to our feature, which as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, we are going to be talking about Young Justice. We have trained as your sidekicks. We have proven ourselves in action. And now, like it or not, we have forged our own team. Fine. But you'll be working for us. I will deploy you on missions.
4: Real missions?
0: Yes. But covert. Red Tornado is your supervisor. Black Canary is in charge
4: of training. You'll do it on lead terms.
0: Now, as of now, Young Justice has aired a total of four episodes. Uh, If you break the first two episodes that aired back in November, uh, you break those two episodes up, that becomes the first two, and then two more episodes have aired this month as well. So we're going to talk about our initial thoughts of the show, what we like, what we don't like, and our hopes for for the future of the show. I hope to do this with a lot of the uh, upcoming, like, the, uh, the animated series. Eventually, when we find out some more information about the Batman TV series, which probably won't start for quite some time, probably not till fall of 2012, but uh, kind of like a retrospective, you know, from the beginning to the end. We'll do the same thing when Batman Brave and the Bold uh, eventually ends, probably sometime next year. Um, so this is something that tr- I would, I'd like to try to make a mainstay, um, so that we can kind of reference some of the different things that have happened within the TV show. So first thing, let's talk about what we've seen so far. We've seen a number of different characters. Um, they specifically went on record to say that they were trying, they were going to be putting in a ton of DC superheroes into the show, um, in as many episodes as they could. And that surely is the case. Um, Well, one of the things that we've seen is they're not afraid to use multiple villains. There does seem to be an overarching story um, going episode to episode similar to what we saw with Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And as of right now, the current members are Robin, Aqualad, Kid Flash, and Miss Martian along with Superboy. Um, We will be seeing another character be introduced later this month. In February, and her name will be Arrowette but nobody knows a whole lot about this character as of right now. So, real quick, let's uh, first start off going around the table with uh, what do we like about the series so far.
3: Well, at the moment, um, I'm 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 feeling very positive about the show. Um, I think the team dynamic is the most interesting thing so far. Um, I think the characters have been good, and I didn't know a lot about the other than Robin and maybe a little bit about Kid Flash, but not a lot. And I don't certainly don't know much about the others, like Superboy and Aqualad. So for me, that it's interesting to learn about some new characters. Um, and as I said, I think they've had some interesting discussions as a team so far, some challenges to come over. It doesn't always go perfect, which I think is good. It um, gets some conflict and some drama in there. Uh, the animation looks Excellent. Superb. I think it's almost as good as the the director dvd films we've seen lately. Um, I think the villains have been fairly interesting. I like the fact we've got a lot of characters involved. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive about it so far. I've enjoyed the first four episodes, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, the stuff that's coming up.
4: Um i've been very on on the fence with the show to this point, but uh I think a lot of the good things have been you know within the team and how you know their relationships are developing with one another. I thought you know we saw in the last episode you know they're they're not just immediately making Robin the leader of the team because he you know he's been the most experienced character, and I thought you know some of the decisions that they've made with The direction of the team have been very interesting I've I've also liked that they they've not been afraid to really bring in some of these more obscure villains and characters meaning you know that they're not just introducing like heavy hitters in the DCU like with they had Cobra come in, Sportsmaster Um, I've I've, this last episode too they had Bane come in and I I thought Bane was terrific in that episode I really liked uh, Danny Trejo voicing him um oh, so was I that Manny Triott? Yep.
3: Ah, yeah, he was uh, very good, I thought.
4: Yeah. Didn't die uh, either. No. Uh and I like that, you know, also that things don't aren't going smoothly and that they do seem to, you know I think the episodes are paced very similarly, you know, very the same thing usually happens around the same time, but I do like that the characters, you know they're having a little trouble brushing some of this stuff off and that they're having to deal with these problems because I think a lot of times, at least in the previous animated shows, you know, when you had the, you know, the Batman, the Superman, the Wonder Woman, uh, you know, if something went wrong, it seemed like they immediately had a reaction or or some response to fix it. So I like that we're kind of getting to see, you know, what happens when, you know, maybe they don't initially know how to fix it, like we saw with that uh, Mr. Twister episode. You know, it took them a while to figure out how to defeat him. So, those are things that I've enjoyed to the point so far with the show.
1: Yeah, so far I've really liked it. I uh, agree; the animation has been really good. But uh, probably the thing I like the most about it is the the interactions amongst the interactions amongst the team, and the fact that everything they do is kind of like almost like trial and error. Like, oh. It, it it shows how for the most part they're pretty inexperienced and they're just learning how to become good heroes and probably when it comes to the relationships between the other the the various members of the team i'm really interested in superboy because he basically came in as like a robot almost just he didn't get along with anybody and i've noticed that he's he's slowly starting to change as the episodes go on we've only seen like four episodes so far, but still through those, I'm interested to see where it goes from here with him. Yeah, uh,
2: as you guys have said, the animation is amazing. Um, I think it's done by the same people who did Under the Red Hood or it's based off their designs. I can't remember which one, but it it makes it look absolutely amazing. The team dynamics, I think, are really good. Um, They are acting like teenagers rather than teenagers but grown up Um, it's very easy to kind of have a team um, like the Justice League and they all automatically click and get on fantastically whereas in this one they're fighting, they're squabbling, they're bickering they're fighting over who should be leader and I think that's that's a really nice human touch um, I think as well nods and explanations and they're often only one line but they add depth they, to explain why Robin doesn't uh, take his glasses off and, and doesn't um, uh, reveal his identity when everybody else does like, oh well Batman's banned you from doing that, that's just typical of him and I, I think that's I think that's really good. It it's an easy explanation, but it it makes it so much deeper. And you're not left scratching your head and going, "Well, who's that? Why are they doing that? What's going on?" Uh, like you were with the Teen Titans, um, and and sometimes even the Justice League.
0: As far as what I like about the show, there's, I I think it's. Like I really wasn't a big fan of the Teen Titans TV series, mostly because that again was geared towards a much much younger audience, um, and they had it was and the animation style was definitely more uh, more kind of fitting with what was what was hot right now for kids animation. Um, but I really enjoyed Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and I think to, to, everything I've seen so far, it seems like it's a real good mix between the good things from Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and the good things or what some people may deem as good things from Teen Titans. Um, there obviously is the teen angst and the the teen issues. You can see a budding romance between possibly Superboy and Mish Martian and the fact that Kid Flash feels a necessity to flirt with everyone, which you wouldn't necessarily see if it was all adults. Um, and that's what we get from teen Titans, but when we get to the Justice League elements, you know we have a lot of different characters that are showing up. We see a lot we, we see the the large expansion of the DC universe. One of the things I was really thrilled with was the most recent episode Drop Zone had bane as um, a main he was he wasn't even necessarily a villain the entire the entire episode we had King Cobra as a main villain and we see that King Cobra uh is sell- is is trying you know is taking over the island of Santa Priscan um to get the venom and kind of change it from what it is to a different formula which involves Bane which in turn the person who's buying the new substance that King Cobra's creating is actually Sportsmaster you know, at any point in time, they could have thrown in a number of different characters that don't really exist, but they didn't. Um, the char- There was also two other characters that appeared in that Drop Zone episode, which I didn't know at the time who they were. But it turns out that they actually were real comic book characters. Uh, one of them was Mammoth um which is the character who hulks out on the crazy venom um and he the reason i figured that out was because he's referenced to have a sister um in the show and his sister is actually a character in the comic book world too um obviously they didn't say that the character's name was mammoth in the episode but you know you do a little bit of research and you find out his his sister is actually a character called Shimmer, inside of the comic books as well. So, you you know, they, they throw a lot of these elements in, and, and it's real, like, to me, it's a lot of Easter eggs for comic book fans who are watching the show, because they can kind of do a little bit of a double take and try to figure out who some of these characters are. In the previous episode, um, we had Speedy fighting against somebody in the very beginning of the episode. I had no idea who the character was. It turns out the character's name is Brick, and has been a Green Arrow villain. And it made sense of why he was saying, I'm kind of offended how Green Arrow was not coming to fight me himself and he's sending you. I, I, I'm really liking this, the element of having these other characters instead of just having these random henchmen that you know, get beat up very quickly. They actually have these legitimate villains from the DC universe. Uh,
3: I'm also enjoying the uh, involvement of the Justice League, but I'm happy that they're only involved in small amounts. They're not overpowered, because if you get those characters involved too much, it's going to overpower the team that we're following. So I'm enjoying having the Justice League turn up and getting different members. It's not just Batman every week, as we've, we've got Black Canary just recently, um... And uh, the Martian Manhunt has been involved as well, and Red Tornado. So, uh, yeah. So I'm glad they're involved. I'm also, I, I'm also detecting that they're sort of starting to lay the seeds of a big story that's hopefully going to sort of spread across the season, which I'm happy about. Rather than just villain of the week every week, which I think gets can get really tiresome, especially when you've got a series like this one has, which I think is over 20 episodes. I think if you do Villain of the Week every week, people are going to get bored of that halfway through. So I'm glad there's a larger story that's going to hopefully play a role later on because I think the best Bruce Timm stuff had large stories that spread across several episodes like the Justice League Unlimited show. And so I th- I'm glad they're going in that direction. And it, as Dusty mentioned, you know, including all these small, uh, obscure characters clearly means they know they've got a, comic audience watching and they're trying to uh, keep them happy as well as as well as their primary audience yeah it's
0: definitely one of those things where the overarching storyline is really going to be it's it's going to have two effects the first effect is i think this because it have the overarching story instead of being like batman brave and the bold where you know it's one-off episodes there's not anything that links these episodes to each other um because of that it it actually makes it so that the show is aired normally instead of having two episodes in one month and then we go a couple months without any episodes oh wait let's uh let's throw in this episode here and throw along two other episodes here it i mean that's the one thing that i'm really getting tired of with Batman Brave and the Bold and consistently since they re-aired the pilot at the beginning of January they've had a new episode every single week so and as far as the plans are they're going to continue to do that so I'm looking forward to it. Um, The other thing that I have to mention, which has little to do with this podcast, but there's actually a comic that's called Young Justice. It's actually uh, most of the animated TV shows that DC has a part of, they put out uh, a comic book that's kind of you know, based off the characters and the art that's in the uh, series. But this specific comic book is more of a companion to the TV show, more so than just... Another one-off episode of or a one-off story from the TV show. This actually, if uh, in January, Young Justice Number Zero came out, and it was actually followed perfectly with the events that happened of ep- right after the events of episode two of Young Justice. And they're planning on doing this, and Greg Wiseman, who's one of the show producers, is actually helping with the writing on this comic book. And I got to say if you're watching the series and you're liking it, take a look at the comic book because you're getting a little bit more than you would than you get just in the show alone. All right, so that's going to bring us to the things we don't like so far. So let's uh, run through those real quick.
3: Well, there has been some criticism as to the portrayal of Robin. Um personally, I'm not sure I share that quite so much. Um I think he's not bad, but um I have heard some uh, comments that Robin's a bit babyish, bit young, uh, doesn't do a lot, got a bit of an annoying voice, but personally I think it's it's going all right. Uh, I don't mind Robin too much.
4: Um, well, it, it's been mentioned, I think, already, but uh, the teen angst theme is just really reeked all over the show to this point, and it, it is... I'm not entirely annoyed with it yet, but I'm just hoping that you know by episode ten, it's still not. I think it's bo- it's bogging the show down for me to an extent. Nick brought up you know Robin. Um, the big thing I'm having a problem with Robin is, is It seems like when they get into a fight, Robin, there's always this weird moment where you hear Robin giggling, and it's and I just I don't know why that why they're oh, doing yeah. that. Like it's and it sounds it's like giggling in like an echo form. It sounds kind of creepy to me. Like I'm not. I just. I don't understand why they're. Why that's in there. It's. Um. Some of it's. I think some of these characters are. They're kind of wedging them into very like. Distinct characterizations, and that's just the way they're always going to be. Uh, I think other than Superboy, who seems like he is going to. You know, his character is really good. Going to develop. I haven't seen much with the other ones. Robin and Kid Flash are, you know, the very lighthearted, kind of snarky uh, characters of the show who tend to be careless. Superboy, you know, seems to be very confused and gets very easily angry. And then you have Aqualad, who is, you know, the wise one who doesn't get flustered and tries to keep the peace with everyone all the time. And then you have Miss Martian, who you know, it's kind of been written as that typical alien who's trying to adjust to the Earth life, and she's having trouble fitting in. And I don't get why she's always saying, hello, Megan, oh. all the time, whenever she realizes that she's an idiot or something. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's. I think...
3: Miss Martian's definitely a bit of a problem, I think. I hope yeah, she
4: improves. Uh, I think, for me, it's been a little predictable. Um, and also, the thing is... I'm seeing a very, like, big theme in some of these episodes is that, like, you know, they don't feel like they're being taken seriously by the superheroes, and they've, it seems like it's, this whole thing is so that they're out to prove them wrong or something, and one of the things that's really annoyed me is whenever they're up against a villain, there's always this moment where the villain's like, you know, never send a boy to do a man's job or whatever, you know, it's just like, okay, we get it, alright, I understand what's all going on, so... I'm just a little. I'm starting to get a little annoyed with some of these very like. They're very typical themes in like a, a teenage superhero show, so I understand why they're there. I'm just kind of getting to the point where I'm I'm tired of of hearing them already.
1: Yeah, I'm completely rehashing like a bunch of, uh, a bunch of stuff he said, but I I agree that that's one of the things that was kind of annoying was yeah when they fought Mister Twister and he kept like. He kept just like they kept emphasizing the fact that they're they're just kids, and he he wouldn't shut up about how, like, oh, you didn't send real superheroes, and so they're basically just trying to like pound into our heads that these aren't these aren't adults, and I think we get, I think we get it. And also, Miss Martian does get kind of annoying. That hey, Ma-, you know the that hello Megan was really starting to get annoying. I hope it doesn't she doesn't keep saying it every single time because it bothers me every time she says that.
2: Uh, I hate the fact that a lot of these episodes seem to be really formulaic um, in that they start off, they're not working as a team, they come up against a bad guy, they lose, they go, oh no we've come up against a bad guy what are we going to do? They come up against a bad guy again, he goes oh you shouldn't have sent boys and teenagers and you're all useless because you're kids they learn how to do teamwork and miraculously save the day. And it's just so grating. I know it's only been four episodes, but I'm hoping that it's not going to be... The moral of the story is, if we all do teamwork, we can get together, because otherwise it's going to become a superhero version of Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to annoy me. Um, I think the dialogue uh... has been very ropey in uh... places as you guys have already said um... that hello megan and the laugh is is symptomatic of that and there's been some odd cuts as well um... I don't know if you've noticed maybe it's just my TV but it seems like sometimes they cut to another scene halfway through what somebody's saying um when they came up against Mr. Twister, um, Miss Martian came up with this plan, she went, uh, she said something along the lines of oh we're going, uh, I know how to do this, and then they just cut to another scene and I thought, you need to sort that out and, and edit it a lot better because
3: I will turn off. Well, you, you wanted her to, to explain what she was going to do? No, they, they just cut her off hot mid-sentence.
4: Um, I, I, you- I agree with you to an extent. It seemed, just watching it, they seem to decide to cut to commercial, I think, in sometimes very awkward spots. Like, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, you know, I, I don't know. I, I do agree about the dialogue, though, that's a, a good point, because I feel like the dialogue sometimes isn't fitting with the tone of what they're trying to do with, you know, this they it 's very like childish cartoon dialogue in certain spots that I find odd, and uh, i don 't know I think it kind of is a little jolting sometimes with the tone of the rest of the show. see I
3: think Miss Martian is by far the weakest of the team, but I also think that Superboys had a fairly okay start, but i i 'm worried he 's going to be a bit predictable as i 'm the tough guy who doesn 't speak to people, but i 've actually got a soft side. You know, we, we've already seen it, and because c- you can't suddenly turn Superboy into a nice, friendly guy, so he's always going to be a bit grumpy. So, is is that what they're going to always do? He's the grumpy guy, and but he's got a, he's nice, really. I, I don't know. It's uh, the limits. Th- there are limits to how far these characters can go. So, it's. I hope the writers can give us a few surprises as to where these characters go but I mean I was more interested in someone like Speedy who decided he didn't want to join the gang I thought that was way more interesting and I certainly wasn't expecting that uh, so early on so those sort of characters that are just a bit different um, don't really gel with the others create a bit of conflict I found those much more interesting so I think I'm more interested in the other heroes who are opposed to this than you know the, the, the villains that turn up every week
0: yeah the things that i don't like yes the dialogue is a big thing because it kind of seems like there's two different people writing the scripts for the dialogue there's a person who's writing all of the serious bits and all the important things having to do with the mission and then there's somebody else writing somewhat like they hired a comedian to come in and write a couple jokes for some of these people to sh- for for them to read and they're thrown in there it's there's like a very distinct difference between um, in the latest episode, the fourth episode, Drop Zone, when they're in the plane and they're flying towards Santa Priskin and they're talking about, oh, or maybe it was the, the third episode. I can't remember. They, they were talking about how Miss Martian, she can shapeshift into different people and, and Kid Flash is just like shooting out, uh, you know, one-liners here and there. And then you've got Aqualad and Robin in the background saying, well, you're dumb for saying these one-liners. And it, it just is completely irrelevant. And then the next thing you know, we've got a fight scene going on. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because they're children and they're trying to really hone in on the fact that you know these are kids and they're still in training. But some of these kids, it just seems completely unrealistic that somebody like Mr. Twister who can control wind would be able to chuck Superboy across the room it, to me I, I just have a huge problem with that but I've always had a problem with the way they portray Superman in even the Superman the animated series Superman is supposed to be this the strongest person in the world he's not supposed to be able to be thrown around like he's a rag doll just because someone is is also strong And that the, the, I'm seeming to have a problem with the Superboy aspect just because this is supposed to be a perfect clone of Superman. It's irrelevant that he's younger. It's quite irrelevant because the point is he's a clone of him. He's supposed to have the exact same powers. Age doesn't determine the powers because he already has the powers. The powers don't get stronger as Superman gets older. I do have a problem. Go ahead. Did someone say?
4: Well, I was just saying I agree with that, and I think that that has always kind of been, you know, a kind of a complaint in general of kind of, how writers sometimes struggle to write Superman in general is that he is such, you know, this powerful being and sometimes it doesn't make sense, you know, why he can't, why... They, they try to make him vulnerable in these situations where maybe it doesn't make sense why he's vulnerable. Um, and I think that, yeah, they've... Superboy kind of has... Uh, they've had that problem with writing him to this point so far.
0: So getting to Robin... Um, it's kind of a weird situation with Robin. Um, he's obviously supposed to be Dick Grayson. It, to me, it, it seems as if he's a cross, a cross mix between Dick Grayson and Tim Drake. He's got the tech savvy and detective skills that Tim Drake has, but he's got the smart mouth and acrobatic skills that Dick Grayson has. Now, obviously, whenever there's an interpretation of, of Robin... Somehow it always ends up being a cross mix between multiple different characters because there's been so many different Robins, but they specifically said they were going with Dick Grayson. Now, now it might just be because Dick Grayson, when he was Robin back in the day, um, technology wasn't a huge thing, so it, that's that could be why we don't really associate Dick Grayson with you know the high end technology like he's using in Young Justice. Um, and I can I can get over that. Um, I'm not really understanding the whole glasses thing. Okay, fine. Batman doesn't want people to know Dick Grayson's identity... ...because obviously then it would give Bruce Wayne's identity away too. I get that. But I don't understand why they have to make a note on it. There was an episode where somebody made a comment about... ...well, you know, he wears sunglasses... ...so nobody can figure out who he is. But I know who he is. Well, why even bother mentioning it? Like, just have the guy walk around in sunglasses and just not address it, and then if it ever comes up, it's, well, because the secret identity will go away. It all goes back to that also of uh, you don't need to have, especially with all the technology they use in this show, you don't need to just have, you need to have something more covering your face than a pair of sunglasses for someone not to figure out who you are. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. Especially when you've got somebody on your team who can read minds, she obviously can figure out who you are. It's kind of irrelevant whether or not you've got Superboy who's got X-ray vision who can also see right through your sunglasses. So really, what's the point? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so that, that was one of my complaints. The teen angst thing I, I mentioned in my likes, but it's also a dislike. There, there's like a thin line of whether or not they can do too much of this or they can do just enough. Right now, they're, they're really on that... They're inching towards the too much with the this the relationship that's going with Miss Martian, Superboy, and the flashes the kid flashes the third wheel, they're, they're, It's okay to do some of this because they are teenagers. Obviously teenagers are going to deal with these situations. But if it becomes something where something's gonna happen in an episode or Miss Martian is going to be in danger and suddenly Superboy has to drop everything and save her. It's going to be over the top for me because that just, to me, is not the way this team should be. Um, it sounds like I have a lot more dislikes than I have likes, but it's, it's it's not like that at all. I really am enjoying this show. It's just these little little things. I guess I'm I, I guess I'm nitpicking a little bit more.
3: I mean, at the end of the day, it's really for teenagers, so the dialogue and everything is going to be a bit more basic than what we would like but um i think it's it's filling a gap which um has been empty for the last few years uh and it's nice to see a superhero show with a little bit more maturity and and action than what we've seen the last couple of years but it's still not you know it's not uh perfect but uh it's it's a good start i think
0: All right, and then that's going to move into our final
3: one, which is what do we want to see in the future? Um, Well, I would like to see a bit more, as I mentioned, of characters like Speedy who don't want to get involved, uh, see how they're doing by themselves. I'd like to see the team struggle a lot more. Um, We've already... I mean, we've seen them have some difficult times already, but I, I want to see them really uh suffer so we can get some exciting drama out of that uh i'm sure there'll be some moments where they break up or something and end up getting back together but um yeah so i'd like to see some really great challenges for them um maybe a little bit more justice league a little bit more perhaps in the training that they should be getting um not just combat but more than that like detection uh see a little bit more of that sort of side of things and um, as I said, hopefully a larger story with a big villain or Cadmus or whatever it is that's uh, sort of overseeing the whole series, which comes to a nice conclusion.
4: Yeah, stronger character development for me. I think uh, I think right now they're doing a decent job of kind of balancing all the characters around so that they get their moments. But I'd like to see you know these characters. Uh, maybe break out of their shells that they've put them in a little bit more. Um, And, you know, I think it's kind of unfair to say that because it is so early on. Um, But, yeah, maybe a little more unpredictability. Maybe, you know, these episodes don't seem to follow a a trend or a similar structure with one another. Um, I think so far they've done a good job of bringing in various different villains and characters. So I, I just think if the if the writing can get better along with some of the other things that they've been doing i think it could it has the potential to be a really really good show
1: yeah obviously i want to see more character development and i want to see them working better together as a team maybe not necessarily like like taking baby steps but like more in a way of like taking a big step forward then falling back like another step like a smaller step and then you know just progressing that way cuz Cause you know once once you you feel like you're getting good at something, then you kind of get like, oh yeah, get a little complacent. And then maybe they'll knock them back down to earth again. So taking baby steps that way as far as the team, I'd like to also see, obviously the a story that basically continues on along with all the like the new villain each week and like the underlying like bigger picture throughout the whole season. What I thought would be interesting was I'd like to maybe see maybe one of the whether it be if it comes back another season or whether it be like later this season, maybe the justice league will get into a situation where they'll actually have to come like bail them out and that will obviously get them more respect on their side too. But mostly just like have the characters break out of their shell because I think by the, at this point we already we've been introduced and we have an idea of all the characters and now we can see them become the characters that, that like I, I would like to see them become, you know, which is very different what they are right now.
2: Uh, I, like uh, as Zach said, to have a bit more polish on it, not add breaks in random places, so you're cutting people's words out, um, and a bit better dialogue. But I think those will come as they, as the show progresses and it it becomes more established. Uh, as Nick said, um, I really want to see Speedy's character develop and find out uh, what's going on with him and and how he's going to end up but I'd also like to see the show develop its own villains Um, maybe not necessarily create um, brand new ones but develop a a set enemy who is going to span over a couple of seasons and becomes um, a a Moriarty figure Um, I think that would be really interesting
0: Okay, so I'm going to run through a couple of real quick things i really like to see. I would really like to see Superboy get the stick removed from his rear end. I would like to see Robin remove his sunglasses. I would like to see Miss Martian's Hello Megan phrase banned from the show. And I would like to see Kid Flash get a girlfriend, because I think if he got a girlfriend, we'd stop hearing a lot of these one-liners. That being said, um, I'd also like to continue to see a number of these underlying these these minimalistic villains who just appear very briefly but after doing some more research you find out that they're actually characters that you know have roles in the in the DC universe just be it minor roles. I really am enjoying that and I want to continue to see that. I think they said by the end of the first season they're going to have like a total of 180 different characters from the DC universe appear. I think that'll be great. Um I am interested in the underlying story um they're kind of setting something up over these first four episodes with the the white light or the white or the light or whatever they're calling themselves um they've kind of set something up where it seems as if it's going to carry on throughout the entire season. I just really hope that whenever this comes to the end it doesn't turn out horribly as if you know this was some kind of like alien force or something like that, which who knows what will happen? We'll have to wait and see for the end of season, the end of the season, to see really how this plays out. Um, I I do want to see more character development, as everybody else has said. I think a lot of these characters. Um, I think the character that we're probably going to see the most character development from this season is probably going to be Superboy, just because I don't think he's going to be such. A grump by the end of the season. I think maybe he'll have lightened up by then. Um, so I'll be interested in seeing that. Um, obviously, i if this show ends up getting another season or multiple seasons on top of this season, it'd be great to see the transition from Robin you know growing and becoming a better hero and then eventually becoming the leader. That would be very interesting to see. And just basically the development of Robin throughout these seasons to the eventual time where he takes lead of the team of the team that would be great to see as well um, but overall I mean for the most part if they keep doing what they're doing except for the few minuses that we've mentioned, I think this show could be very successful and get multiple seasons and I'd love to see it not necessarily take the place of Justice League Unlimited, but fill the gap that Justice League Unlimited has left us since it left it was taken off the air back in i think it was 2005 so with that i think that wraps up our discussion of young justice for now All right, so that is pretty much everything for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. It was a much longer episode than what we've had in the last couple months. Uh, But as we get into a lot of the Dark Knight Rises stuff, there's going to be much longer episodes. We may have to switch back to the every other week format that we were doing um, back when the Dark Knight came out. But uh, we'll take that... We'll have to we'll we'll determine that uh, once uh, once we get to that point once uh, the Dark Knight Rises starts filming and we start picking up a lot more news um, that makes these episodes longer than two hours then we'll we'll consider that if you want to see us go back to the every other week format you can always send us an email at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. and of course you can send any questions comments or concerns to that email address as well uh, we've got a bunch of things on the horizon for thebatmanuniverse.net. Make sure you are checking out the news on a daily basis on the website, as well as the editorial section for all kinds of things related to Batman. There's always something new posted on the thebatmanuniverse.net, and uh, even if there's not news, we're always trying to make sure there's at least something for you to read every time you come over there. Obviously, with that, you can also join the forums and become a member and chat with other Bat fans. You can also subscribe to the Batman Universe comic podcast and the Batman Universe specials. Um, For those of you who are trying to find the older episodes of any of those podcasts, uh, we're having some technical difficulties, and we'll be working those out in the next month. and They'll all be worked out, and you can all get get all of the old The Batman Universe podcast episodes then. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And, of course, you can always leave us a review on iTunes. And, of course, the award show is just around the corner, and this is going to be one of your last... Warnings for placing your vote for the Batman Universe Award Show. Um, We'll be doing that award show in the coming weeks, so make sure you get your vote heard by voting now. Go to the website and click on the link that says, Click here to vote for the TBU 2010 Awards. Your Your votes will be tallied, and we'll be having an award show that comes out later this month. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Nick. And this is Zach. This is Josh. This is John. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. See you guys next time. Cheers.
4: Take care.
2: Later. Hello to Jason Isaacs.
4: Looks like there aren't any questions
0: I I
3: didn't hear you speak at all So I was thinking, hmm, is he here? (laughs) He's he's just just nervous Because he's on this podcast full time now
4: I always love how Whenever we get ready to start There's like this rumble in the background Of your heater, like, roaring It starts up As soon as you're like, okay, here we go (laughs) It's
3: like a spaceship about to take off Yeah time it perfectly for that alright let's just say I'm I'm getting a bit sick of you you guys voices let's take that
4: I'm not surprised sick of my own voice
3: anyone
0: else got anything okay yeah